Today I'm going to be talking about finding creative solutions as you play, rewarding player immersion, and house rules that actually help. This is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. It's the Dragon Master. In the spirit of honesty and being uh, fully vulnerable, allow me to start by saying I am so bad at finding creative solutions when I'm playing. This is gonna be a lot more of a what not to do like me, uh, rather than a what to do like me. Uh, But I think we can grow together as a community of D&D players, both uh, players and DMs in general. We all wanna have that amazing story from our D&D games, don't we? We all like to gather around and talk about our D&D games. Oh my God, you never believe what happened in my game the other day, this crazy thing. That crazy thing doesn't usually come from well-built characters and properly assigned stats. It usually comes from somebody having some crazy idea and doing some weird thing that no one thought to do that might not have been in the the module that you guys are running, like flipping a table off of a house and hoping that it lands on the bad guy, right? Like Those things are different and weird, and that's what makes the game great is that no matter what your stats are, no matter what quote unquote controls you're given to play the game, you can still do crazy things that the designer of the game, be it the actual designers of Dungeons and Dragons or your DM didn't plan on happening. You still get to do that. The main thing to remember is it's a story before a game. A game is I win and the story is listen to this. So let's jump on in. Let's start with what to avoid because (laughs) I'm great at that. This is going to sound so backwards as to everything that I've been talking about in this podcast. Optimization. I rely on it, but in general, it tends to squash imagination. If you're focused so much on making sure that certain stats are good, when you get into game, stop thinking about those stats. They're already good. You don't have to consider it. Don't worry about what you're good at. Solve the issue in front of you. In a game that I was playing, we had to go storm this mansion that had been taken over by orcs and a bunch of their evil minions at the time. We assumed they were evil. I think they were. I don't know. They're all dead now. My original goal of that mission, being an Echo Knight with the ability to kind of jump around and look at stuff, is to just do recon and then a bunch of combat. I had gotten to a position where I could put the Echo in an advantageous position, stay far enough back, attack with my hand crossbow, and allow my teammates to sling their spells. Nothing really got close to us because once they attacked the Echo, they couldn't get through whatever that bottleneck was, and on my turn, I'd just make it again. So it sounded right to me. After gathering intel, we decided we didn't want to work hard enough to kill everything in that mansion. So what did we do instead? We burned it down. (laughs) We don't need this mansion. Nobody wanted it. It's just that that's where their base was. So we set it on fire and fought things that escaped the fire. And to be totally honest with you, I really didn't help much. I was just an Echo Knight fighter. All I could do was jump around and stuff. I had no way of setting fires. I didn't have like a tinderbox or anything. My spellcaster teammates had to set the fires. But that was the right answer at that time. Why go through the combat when you don't have to? We could just set the place on fire and move on. That is something that had nothing to do with my optimization. My stats did nothing for that plan. But it was fun. It was epic. It was a great thing. The other thing to try to avoid is a gaming mindset. You get really short-sighted objectives when you're playing like a video game or even a board game on occasion. Think about this. You're standing in front of a locked door. How do you open the door, right? That's your plan. 
But why? Why is that the plan? Do you really care if the door is open? You really want to get into the room. You got to look farther than the objective right in front of you, which a lot of games don't necessarily talk about. In that same game, we were trying to get into a fortress that had been overrun. We wanted to clear it out so that the citizens of the village could use it in case a dragon attacked. We walked up and there were bars down and a locked door behind it. My head was, hmm, how do we raise these bars? And furthermore, how do we open that door? And I asked the DM, I said, I want to look around. Is there, can I tell where the mechanism for those bars are? And, and she had me make a roll and it was a pretty good roll. And she said, nope, you, you pretty much just see the bars there. And I'm like, that's so weird. We can't squeeze through this. What, what do we do? How do we raise these bars? How, how do we get in here if we can't raise these bars and open the door? Meanwhile, my warlock patron genie said, I want to go inside my genie vessel and have my teammate throw me inside the archer slit. Are you kidding me? How did I not think of that? Obviously, there are slits in the side of the walls where archers would be shooting through. No one currently is because it's emptied out of those archers. But that's a way to get in. And I'm an Echo Knight. I can just make an Echo where I can see it on the inside of those slits and then switch places with it. Boom, bam, I'm inside. I walk to the front of the place. He and I turn a crank to raise the bars so our druid can get in, and then I walk around and open the front door. Why was I so focused on the door? It's a short-sighted objective that won't help in the future. That's all I'm saying. Avoid those gaming tropes. Don't worry about the thing in front of you. Find the goal you actually want and go for it. The other thing to try and avoid is your character sheet. I think I've mentioned this before, but your character sheet only talks about you. You've got an entire team. If you're trying to solve a problem and you're looking at your sheet, what features do I have? What spells do I have? What do my ability scores look like? Well, that only tells you what you can do. It has nothing to do with what your teammate can do. It doesn't even really tell you what a normal person can do. All it says is what you can do that an average person couldn't do. It says nothing about normal sentient humanoid abilities. So the more you can just focus on what's around you and not as much on what your sheet says, the more you're going to get there. So let's dig into the what twos. I mentioned it before, but I want to drive the point home. Define your actual goal. Are you trying to beat the bad guy or save the hostages? Are you trying to open the door or just get in the room? Take that further. Are you trying to get in the room or do you just want to find the artifact? There are so many other goals that are important than the thing in front of you. Being goal-oriented is a good thing, but finding the core goal is more important. A short-sighted goal will only lead you down a rabbit hole, and that rabbit hole isn't going to help you. Another thing that might help is to think like you and not your character. I know this sounds really weird coming from somebody who's so much about immersion and the character that you're building, but think about it. Your character has magic and better stats than you. You're a real person. You would know how to get yourself out of a situation with regular human person things. You can ask your DM for more descriptions. You probably have to make roles, like perception roles. But the more you can just be in that mindset, the more you immerse yourself, the more you'll know how you'd handle it. What objects are on the dresser? Is there less dust on one of the levers? If you were actually fighting that orc, knowing you couldn't take him, what around you would help you either win that fight or escape him. Another thing to do to help out is roleplay. 
If you were with your friends in whatever situation you're in, you'd probably be talking about it. Yes, the DM said what you just saw, but only your character is the one that saw it, not everybody. The DM says, yes, as you make that perception check, you notice that there's a, an interesting smudge on that photo. Well, okay, you could just say, everybody knows there's a smudge on the photo. Or you could say, hey, Marina, come here and check this out real quick. There's a, an interesting smudge on this picture. What does that look like to you? Now you're at least talking about it, and you're getting a little bit more invested, and you'll find that that helps you to come up with more creative solutions than just saying, okay, we know this, go back to the stats. Nothing gets the creative juices flowing like talking. That's actually a proven educational fact. Professionals in the education industry have said that the first thing you want to do with a student is get them talking about it. It makes their brain move that direction. They come up with the answers faster, and they understand it better. The more you prove to yourself that the situation you're in is real, the more your brain will try to solve the problem. And tell your party your plan. Maybe they can help with it. If you say, we need to get in that room, imagine if I had done that back when I was trying to get into that door. It would have been inside 20 minutes earlier. Okay, how do we open the bar? I don't know. Let's spend 20 minutes figuring it out. No. How do we get in that room? And now we can look at it from a different perspective. If someone says, we got to get out of here. Well, that helps you to find out what you want to do about it. Do you just want to run or do you want to make some kind of distraction or maybe you should bar the door once you leave? And if you do want to bar the door, what's around you you can bar it with? Is there an actual bar on the door? Do you need to put a dresser in front of it or flip over a table? Who knows? You got to climb a cliff? All right. You got any rope? If not, is there a way around? And if not, can we just stack a bunch of rocks from around you? The main point I'm trying to make here is you get to take control of your own immersion. And that is the main way that you are going to come up with those creative solutions that you want to tell people about when you talk about your D&D game. And if you want to, you can take some of your most fun and creative stories and tell them to me at DungeonManDragonMaster.com. When I say rewarding player immersion, what I mean is finding a way to get your players to be immersed without telling them up front, hey guys, get immersed. Uh, it's a lot easier to reward them than it is to force the issue. And let's just look at games that we like. You know, we talked about playing video games as a way to get better as a DM, this is a very easy thing to find in a lot of video games. You don't force someone to play a certain way. You reward them for playing the way you want to. League of Legends is a good example of this. Any MOBA like that, you can buy or build whatever items you want to. You can play your character whatever way you want to, but their stats are going to benefit more from a specific one. Let's talk about more specific than that. How about Skyrim? If you put all of your points into health and one-handed while you only use magic, well, you can. You can do that all you want, but it's not going to go well for you. Your magic's not going to get any stronger, and if you're not using one hand, well, that's a bunch of wasted stats. I guess you'll live longer because you put all your points into health, but without any magicka, you're not going to be able to cast your spells as much. That's the point. You don't choose your class in the beginning and they move your stats for you. You can build it however you want, but they're going to reward you for building it a certain way. And that's what we want to do in-game is reward our characters for playing the way we want them to, for immersing in the world we're giving them. So how do we reward the players for immersion? Well, the easiest way to do it is inspiration. You can literally just give it away. If a player does really well in a scene, then you say, good job, inspiration. If a player remembers the bond that they chose in character creation and they use it in some creative way, 
Good job, man. You're going to get DM inspiration for that. I've given away DM inspiration for things as easy as coming up with creative solutions, like we talked about before. I want my players to be so invested in my story that they figure those things out. So it's nice to just tell them I appreciated it. You can even say that's why you're doing it. Uh, You just got to watch out for doing that too much. If everyone always has inspiration, it becomes less of a reward and more of an expectation. My favorite way of rewarding my players for immersion is advantage. What stops a player from just saying, I want to roll insight. I want to roll perception. I want to roll nature. What stops them from doing that? Well, nothing necessarily, but if they get advantage for doing a little bit more before a roll, they're more likely to consider doing that. If I want to intimidate somebody, I could walk up to them and say, hey, get out of here. That might be intimidating. I'll make an intimidation check to check that out. But if I walk up to them, pull my sword and hold it up against their throat and say, hey, get out of here. Well, that's a little more than just an intimidation check. I mean, think about it. Even somebody with really low intimidation, even someone who's not intimidating at all, the second they hold a weapon up to you, it's a little bit more intimidating. So I would give that player advantage on that role. Now you've done something to aid the role you wanted to do in the first place. And I love that. That just tells my players without telling my players, hey, I want you to get involved in the story. And they love to do it. It always helps. As time goes on, you can make those moments a little more difficult to get advantage on. You can expect more risks from them. Hey, if you really want advantage on that, you're going to have to risk looking dumb or looking mean or losing something in the process. You might expect specifics. Hey, I get it. You want advantage on this check, but maybe you've got to know some information first. Maybe you have to mention a specific event before you'll actually get advantage on that role. You might expect some commitment. Look, you can get advantage on it, but you're going to have to remember that later in the future you did this. Maybe they have to make a contract with the devil. Yeah, all right. You're going to get advantage on your persuasion check against that devil this time because they want what you have from them. Get ready to commit to it later. That's another easy way to do it. And the other way that you can reward your players for immersion is literal rewards. It's a little more direct and kind of cheesy, but at the end of the day, it works. There are a lot of magic items that are temporary. We're talking potions. Healing potions are things that every player appreciates and can only be used once. So you can keep on giving it to them. You don't want to do it a lot, but you can. And it's a reward that they will always appreciate. There are also items that have charges. You can only do it so many times, such as the beads of force. I love that item because it's good for anybody, no matter if they're a spellcaster or a marshal. And anybody can just use it and use it well. There's also a part in the DMG that talks about charms. Uh, Charms are an interesting thing. It reads, a typical charm mimics the effects of a potion or a spell. So it is easy to create more charms on your own, if you like. And they have a bunch of examples of them. So basically, you pick a spell, and they get a little charm. And it allows them to do it about three-ish times before vanishing. In the book, I think most of them, if not all of them, are three times. But of course, you can make it longer if you'd like to. And for all these literal rewards, when do you give them? Well, maybe a well-role-played social encounter leads to the party or a specific member being given a, quote, family heirloom of one of the above. You just got to be a little cautious with your rewards that are not temporary, because if they're not temporary and you give them stuff too much, eventually you're going to run out of things you can give them, and they're going to be way overpowered, and there's a lot of things to think about. The thing about giving these rewards is that after a while, 
you won't really have to reward them for immersion. They'll be used to immersion. They'll be ready to play your game. So once you get to the later levels, you can actually give them more of a challenge. Once you have found your groove as their DM and they have found their groove as your player, you'll be able to work together to tell these amazing stories without having to convince them in any way to immerse in it. It's all just going to be one cohesive process, and that's all you're really looking for, right? Before I get to my last topic of the day, I just want to let you guys know that this is going to be my last episode of the year 2020, and I will get back to you guys in January. Just taking a quick break for the holidays, uh, and I think I want to start getting going on the blog portion of my website. So if you guys want to check out DungeonManDragonMaster.com, that would be super cool. Leave a review, get in touch, tell me what you're looking for. I would love to put some of your recommendations and requests on the show and uh, read up on that blog. Maybe uh, maybe we can get some topics on there too that'll help you guys and just be fun to either read or listen to or however you want to get in touch. So let me talk about something that I made fun of a couple of times already, house rules. Uh, I do have house rules, not house leniencies. I talked about it before, but I'll go a little more in depth here. A house rule is is a rule that is not in the game that is actually a rule. It is something that a player must do in order to play the game or a way that something must be handled if that comes up, whatever that situation is. A house leniency is, well, here's another way you can do this. Well, here's another way you can do this. I don't like house leniencies. I like house rules. But I like house rules that don't affect game mechanics. They affect table mechanics. And here's what I mean. I don't want to make a rule that states, if you do this, you get advantage on your attack roll. If you get this, you add plus four to your damage. I'm not down for those kind of house rules because the game is already relatively delicate. And if you just keep it as is, or even use some of their optional rules if you really want to spice things up, that's probably a better way to go about it. Live your life. That's the way I want to do it. But I like the house rules that say what my players can do at the table. That kind of helps more with immersion and with the game flowing smoothly. And it really sticks in my brain. I'll go through a couple of them. The first one is uh, dice etiquette. I don't mean like there's a proper way to treat your dice and there's a proper way to roll them so that your friends, I don't mean like that, but there's a couple of dice roll etiquette things that I like to add in before we start a game. Uh, One of them is don't roll until the DM says to, right? If you're like, "Ah, I don't trust this guy. I got a 22 on my insight. Nah, that's, that's not how we do this. I'll tell you what to roll. Even if it's an obvious one, like an insight check. But when it gets to things like arcana, history, nature, and the like, you don't really know what you're rolling yet. But I will let you know as the DM. And if you're not a DM, you can request these kinds of things too because it's going to make your games a lot more fun. I think you do what you want to do. These are just my house rules that I like. The other dice etiquette rule that I like is once you announce the result of your roll, it is final. So there are a couple of abilities in the game that can modify rolls after they are rolled, but before you hear the result, the lucky feat, certain inspirations, things like that. I like to say that we are claiming that you've made the roll and you get to hear the result after you tell me what number it is. And we use roll 20, so everyone sees the number, but I will wait until you tell me what it is and ask to hear the result. That's when 
you will hear what happened. It's only final once you announce it. Another house rule I'd like to go through is don't share stats with your party members. I mean, your characters wouldn't use terminology like that, so neither should you. You don't need to know what your barbarian strength score is. You can assume he's pretty strong. You don't need to know what your wizard's wisdom score is. First of all, it doesn't do too much in-game anyway. And second of all, you wouldn't know that if you were in that world. It removes some of the meta aspects that we like to avoid as players and DMs, honestly. If you don't know what your teammates can do until you see it happen, you're actually getting to know your teammates. You're actually learning about the people that you've been adventuring with. If all of a sudden you are talking with your wizard and you have to travel somewhere and he punches a hole in a wall, whoa, I did not know you were that strong. Well, now you do. You learn something. It adds to the immersion. I think I've said immersion far too many times in this episode. I'm not going to change it. Just thought I'd point that out. My favorite one of these is no out-of-character planning. I feel like it's a little bit of forcing the issue of role-playing at the table, but I think it makes a lot more sense than making a plan out of character and then going. It That just encourages being very well orchestrated as a party without actually being a party. The only thing that can be done out of combat at my tables is asking questions to me and explaining the actions that you're doing. So, for example, if you say, I pick up the cup and I turn it side to side, exploring every nook and cranny that I can find. Obviously, that's not in character because you're not announcing what you're saying. But if you're going to talk about what way you're going to systematically explore rooms in this dungeon, no, 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 no. The players don't talk about that. The characters in the game play that. And I think that that's a much better way to do it. If you want to plan with your party, you should do so in character. Your characters would plan. You just do that. I know in the movies, you never really see that part happening, but it's part of the game. And I think that's important to remember. You got to be kind of cautious of this rule because it can discourage role play at all. There have been times when I've said, hey, hey, no planning outside of your character. And, well, they just never talk to each other. So you kind of got to get a feel for your party. But I think that one helps out more than anything. I also like banning the words roll and any of the words of a skill when talking to me as the DM. Uh, It encourages you to be real with your character instead of focusing on stats. Don't tell the DM, I want to roll this. Don't tell the DM, what about a perception? I want to stealth, like... Focus on what you actually want to do in game. I like to encourage that by saying, you know what? Don't use those words at the table. That's not a word that you get to use. Those are DM words. Uh, And you just get to translate them when it's time. It sounds a little sensory and it sounds a little controlling. I don't mean for it to. But if you can make that a house rule up front, the players just have to add to the challenge. If you really want to make an insight check, you better tell the DM something that makes them want to make you make an insight check. Instead of saying, I would like to insight check, say something like, you know, Marina, I don't know if I trust this guy. And then the DM says, okay, make an insight check. And you do so. I think it's a lot more, well, there we go again, immersive (laughs) if you do it that way. I will say I have one house leniency and I fully encourage you to put these in your games because if there's anything that encourages roleplay more than this, I don't know what it is. I allow roleplayed conversations in combat. Even if it's not your turn, 
and even if it lasts longer than six seconds. Think about every movie or anime or TV show that has had combat in it. There's always that part where they like stop fighting for a second. There's a lot of fighting around them, but like the two characters who are talking stop and they have a conversation. Oh man, this is rough. I know, but we got to keep going. Just that kind of thing. What is the harm in that? I think that's great. It adds a fun scene to high-intensity situations, and that is, I think, one of the backbones of this game in the first place. I don't even mind if they're planning with each other or shouting out commands to each other like, Run! Hey, make sure you get this guy! Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure! Even that is great. There are rules in-game about giving commands to, like, sidekicks and underlings and beasts that you're in control of there are rules about you only get to do that as a bonus action or as an action but if it's between the party i don't care i think it's great and look if the ability for them to talk to each other about what they want to do in character during their turn even if it lasts longer than six seconds really breaks the game i'm okay with the game breaking that way i mean hey if they were allowed to oh i don't know do planning out of character, they'd still do that planning on their turn or on their friend's turn or on my turn. So I may as well let them do it in character. Better that, right? My biggest point about house rules is that you really don't want to mess with the game mechanics. If you're trying to mess with game mechanics and you think there's a more fun way to handle something, that's more homebrew. You can do whatever you want as long as your table is having fun. But I think that players and DMs alike should consider house rules like these, ones that more affect the table and don't as much affect the game. Hey, thanks for listening. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also join my Discord, which is in my description. And go ahead and check out DungeonManDragonMaster.com and I will see you next time. That was the Dragon Master.